Well, I want you to know that we live in a, in a world that's uh, full of sadness. And that's the truth, isn't it? We look around us today. I was just reading some statistics this last week. It said suicide in America is the third, the number three killer of people in America. Isn't that amazing? Behind heart disease and cancer, you would think, surely not in America. I mean, uh, a land filled with uh, plenty, a land uh, filled with opportunity, a land of just abundance in so many ways. You would think there'd be so much for people to live for. And yet, uh, even this year, I have preached funerals for three suicides. And... uh, and that's just in a, this little tiny limited space. And the amazing thing is that it is the number two killer among young people from age 15 to 25. At the very time of their life when you would think they would have the most to look forward to, they take their own life. And then for everyone who takes their life, there are a number of people who either make an attempt, or they contemplate it seriously. Taking their life. Why? How is it that in a world like ours, there could be so much depression, so much emptiness, so much hopelessness and sadness? And yet it is. But here's the amazing thing about it. Jesus came to this world to give us salvation, certainly to deal with all the guilt of our sin and to give us hope for heaven, a certainty of heaven, and to give us abundant life. And so Jesus himself wants us to have joy. That is a key feature in the ministry and the purpose of Christmas. As a matter of fact, I found this last week. That's something I learned something new this week. Uh, You know, many times I've told you that there are 365 times in the Bible that the Bible says, fear not, fear not. One for every day of the year. Isn't that amazing? But I went through, I didn't go through and count them, but I I looked up some resources that helped me, and I put in the word joy, joyful, joyfully, and rejoice. said, how many times is that, are those words used in the Bible You want to take a guess how many it is? 365 times. Isn't that amazing? 365 times God tells us, don't be afraid. And 365 times he tells us to be full of joy, to to live joyfully, to rejoice in the Lord. And I'll just tell you, 10 times, and I did count these, 10 times just in the Christmas story, the word joy appears or rejoice when the angels came suddenly the heavens were were filled and the angels said what'd they say uh my mind has gone blank here trying to quote the christmas story i bring you good tidings of great joy good tidings that's the word for gospel by the way i bring you the gospel of Of great joy. And that's what Christmas should mean to each one of us. Now there are 
sad times. I have been communicating with Mike this week. Uh, Mike Angeloff, his father, passed away just a week ago. And he has just been in such sadness, which is very unusual for Mike. You know, I've, I'd never seen Mike sad, I don't think. But he said he has grieved so deeply over the death of his father. And just seeing the, the grief and sadness in the heart of his mother. So we've been talking back and forth. And he says, I do not want to be sad. Is it wrong to be sad? And I said, no, it's not wrong to be sad. In fact, the Bible tells us that we are many times filled with sorrow. And the Bible says that we are sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Do those things seem contradictory? Well, hopefully after the message today, they won't sound contradictory. Because it is time, at right time for us to sorrow. The Bible says that God has spoken to us, given us his word, that we might not sorrow like those who have no hope. But we do sorrow. But in all of our sorrow, we can have joy. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 11. He kind of states his purpose as to why he's given us his word. He said, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Isn't that something? Jesus said, here is one reason that I've come. I've come and I've spoken these things to you so that the joy that I have in Jesus was indeed the man of full joy. And he said, I want my joy to be in you. And then I want your joy to be full, to overflowing. So it's the purpose of Jesus for us to have joy. Did you know that it's also the reason that God gives <clears throat> pastors to the church? Do you know what my purpose is? Listen to what Paul said his purpose was in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. And I think of this verse very often. John, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. It's about to pop right there. Not that we lord it over you. He says, this is, pastors are not supposed to lord it over you and boss you around and tell you all that. <clears throat> but, <clears throat> but we work with you for your joy. For you stand firm in your faith. My purpose as a pastor is to try to help you have <clears throat> joy. To be able to rejoice, even in times of loss, in times of sadness, in times of pain, to be able to help you have joy. But joy is not based on what we have or what is happening in our life, but it's based on who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Joy how would you define joy? Of course, we've said it so many times. Joy is not the same thing as fun. You can go to Six Flags and have fun. We went to Disney World several years ago, and uh, I got to watching the people. I, I do that a lot anyway. Just, 
And I saw people who looked so sad. Here they are at Disney World, and they have gone there to have a good time, and so many of them looked absolutely miserable. And I thought, you know, this is pretty clear indication that the world really can't give us joy. I mean, if you can't have it at Disney World, where could you have it, you know? And, uh, and of course, as the day wore on, the people looked more and more miserable. And I think as we approached the late evening, I probably began to look miserable, too. That was the time we went on the 4th of July, wasn't it, huh? Never go to Disneyland or Disney World on the 4th of July. But uh, there's a huge difference between joy and fun. And there's certainly a big difference between joy and happiness. Uh, the, our Constitution tells us that one of our inalienable rights is the pursuit of happiness. But it does not tell us that our right is to have happiness. And part of the problem is that people are pursuing happiness and they don't realize that what they need is not happiness. They need joy. Happiness is, as the word itself almost defines, it's based on what's happening. And if what's happening in my life happens to be what I want to happen, then I'm happy. But as soon as it begins to happen like I don't want it to happen, my happiness flies away. But joy is not like that. Joy is an inward delight in Christ, our Messiah, our Savior. Delight in His person, who He is. Delight in His sufficiency. Delight in His sacrifice. And delight in His presence with us. That he is with me at all times. Lo, I will be with you always, he said. I will never leave you or forsake you. And to know that, to know that is the, is, is the touchstone for our joy. And so joy comes as we delight in him. Boy, I just love reading the sermons of Jonathan Edwards. Most people in America, when they think of Jonathan Edwards, they think he was some dour, old, uh, uh, hell-fire and brimstone preacher who loved to tell people they were going to burn in hell. And He preached one sermon on sinners in the hands of an angry God, and he preached some other sermons on the torments of the wicked. But for every one sermon that he preached on hell, he preached about 30 sermons on the delights that are ours in Christ. He preached more, much more on heaven than he did on hell, but he's remembered for his sermon on hell, that one sermon on hell, which is still a great sermon. But, uh, but he preached more on the, the greatness of Jesus, magnifying Christ. And that's what Mary said in that... Uh, and her song that she sang said, My soul doth magnify the Lord.
and rejoice in God my Savior. How do we magnify God? How do we magnify the Lord? You know, there are two ways to magnify something, isn't it? One is with a microscope. A microscope takes something that is really tiny and it makes it look bigger than it really is. That is not the way we magnify the Lord. We magnify the Lord like a telescope. A telescope looks off at something that appears tiny, but is actually huge. As a matter of fact, it is so much bigger than we can even imagine, and the telescope makes it at least look more like it really is. But it really doesn't even bring it into full uh, full view. And that's the way we're to magnify the Lord. My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And what I want to do is I want to see God greater all the time. We'll never, we'll never, just like if you look at Alpha Centauri, isn't that the name of one of those huge stars out there? Say, we've got our, any astronomers here? Huh? That's the closest one. And it's so huge. It, it's, it's, isn't it like a thousand times bigger than Earth or something like that? Or a thousand times bigger than our sun or something? What? Bigger than our sun. A thousand times bigger than our sun. And, and we can't even imagine anything of that size. So we can, can get some kind of grasp, some kind of idea through powerful telescopes. Bring it into a, a little bit bigger picture. But we're never going to make it as big as it really is. And somebody said to me one time, don't you think you may make, be making too much of God? <laughs> I said, no. <clears throat> I'm not worried about that at all. As a matter of fact, the thing that concerns me more than that is that I'll never, ever make him as great as he really is. Amen. That's one reason that I think eternity is going to be eternal is because it will take eternity for us to grasp the majesty and the greatness and the glory of God. And so as we, as we delight in him, as we delight in Christ, our joy grows. The grace comes down and the joy goes up. In Psalm 73, the last two or three verses, uh, verses 23, 24, and 25, a man named Asaph is writing this psalm. He starts the psalm off in pretty much despair. He talks about how that his feet had almost slipped because he said, I got to looking around and I saw these wicked people prospering and I saw godly people suffering. And he said, it was true in my own life. He said, I really loved the Lord and honored the Lord, and everything was going wrong for me. And I looked at my neighbor, who was an atheist, and everything seemed to be going great for him. And he said, it really bummed me out. That's a paraphrase, but you read the whole psalm. But then 
He says, then I went into the sanctuary. I went into the place where I could meet with God, where I could really begin to see God in his greatness. Like Isaiah saw him, high and lifted up and glorious. And then he said, suddenly my whole attitude changed. And then in verse uh, 23, he, well, let's go back to 22. Let me see. I, <clears throat> I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. He said, I, I, was, I was behaving like an animal almost toward God until I went into the sanctuary and you showed me the end. And then he says in verse 24, I mean 23, Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. And suddenly his joy was full. Now I'm just telling you, there are a lot of things that try to take away our joy. Satan is the great joy stealer, and he loves to take away our joy. Because he knows, as Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's where our real strength is, is in the joy of the Lord. So Satan tries to get us to get our focus off of Jesus and place somewhere else. And there's no joy in those somewhere else's. He wants us to focus on ourself, for one thing. Begin looking inward rather than upward to him. He wants us to focus on things. Jesus said in Luke 12, 15, A man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things which he possesses. And yet, in America especially, we seem to have the idea that the more things we have, the happier we'll be. The more things we can own and possess, the happier we'll be. The only problem is that so often our possessions begin to possess us. They own us rather than us owning them. And so there is no joy in things. Again, there can be happiness. There can be a kind of pleasure there. And, and I'm thankful for the things that I have. But I would hate to think that if I lost those things, I would lose my joy. Because my joy is not in the things. A man's life, a man's joy, a man's delight does not consist in the abundance of things that he possesses. And then we can focus on others. Boy, that's a fast way to lose your joy, isn't it? We get to looking around. We can be critical of others. We can be envious of others. We can be comparing ourselves to others <clears throat> and complaining. So there's no joy there. Or we can even focus on religion and rules and legalism 
and there is certainly no joy there. When my wife and I were in Israel, one of the things that we really enjoyed was watching the Jewish people and especially those uh, Orthodox Jews who spent so much of their time studying the Torah, so much of their time reciting the Torah, and you'd see them at the Western Wall bobbing back and forth with their head and quoting Bible verses. And many of them even were on the plane when we flew over there. And we saw a lot of religious observance. But I'll tell you one thing we saw very, very little of. In fact, I don't remember seeing any of it in any of them. That was any joy. They never smiled. They did not smile. I talked to some of them on the plane while we were flying over there. And I tried to engage them in conversation. And you would have thought I had a disease almost. And I think I did. It was called Gentilism. And uh, they, they would not smile. But they lived by the law. Man, they lived by their religion. They were so, so adamant on like Sabbath keeping. They had the most ridiculous rules and laws and regulations about the Sabbath. And no matter what hotel we stayed in, if there was a 15-story hotel, they would have a one elevator that was called the rabbi's elevator. And a rabbi could go into that elevator and just stand there, and the door would close, and it would go to the top floor and open the door. Then it would go to the next floor and open the door. And if he was going to the fourth floor, he had to wait for that elevator to stop on every floor. And you say, well, why didn't you just push the four? Because, he says, we're not allowed to push buttons on the Sabbath. Isn't that amazing? And he never smiled when he said that. I wouldn't be smiling either if I had to stop on every floor to get to the fourth floor. But I'm just telling you, there is no joy in religion. There is no joy in the Christian religion. There is no joy in the Baptist religion. There's only joy in Jesus. And when our focus is in him, he is the source of our joy. He is the source of our victory. And by the way, there is joy, a kind of joy in victory, isn't there? If you watch a football game or go to a football game, you don't have to ask when it's over which side won, do you? Because the winning side, they're just jumping up and down and everything, and the other side is all coming out like that. That's not joy, really, but I mean, but that's excitement. And, and I, I, I was just, every time I go to a game and I see the people rejoicing that their team has won and the other side sad that their team has lost, I just think, you know, as Christians, we know our side has won. We have victory, and that victory and that joy is in Jesus. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10, Paul says, As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing.
So, yes, there will be sorrow in our life. But we are able to have joy, even in the midst of our sorrow. Paul was sorrowful. There were times that he said he despaired even of life. He didn't think he was going to live. There was a time that he was beaten almost to death, many times actually. But on one occasion, he and Silas were beaten within an inch of their life and then thrown in prison into the deepest, darkest dungeon. And at the midnight hour, the Bible says, they were singing and rejoicing in the Lord. And as a result of that, God shook the whole place. And a jailer and his family were saved that night. Now that would not have happened had they been moaning and groaning and complaining. And, but in their sorrow, they were able to rejoice. So we're to rejoice always. And again, uh, the Bible says... Rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice, rejoice. And that joy comes as a result of faith, trusting, believing that God is telling us the truth. And when I read the Bible, I hear God's promises. I hear God's proclamations. I hear him saying, I am with you. I am enough for you. And as I believe it, as I receive it, grace comes down and joy rises up and love flows out. It's based on believing him. One last verse, Psalm 1611. The psalmist says here, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So where do I want to be? I want to be at his right hand. I want to be in his presence at all times. How do I do that? I don't have to go anywhere because he said, Lo, I am with you. He is present. But as I believe it, as I receive it, as I act upon it, his joy, his joy flows into my life. Rejoice. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a joyful God. I thank you that Jesus, although he was called the man of sorrows, he was the most joyful person who ever lived on this planet living in constant communion with his Father. <clears throat> and I pray that you'll help us today.
to know that we don't have to go off anywhere to find joy because you have come to us and you bring joy. And I just ask you, Father, to help us know that there's nothing in our life that we have done that can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. I thank you that your grace is greater. And as one of the songs that we sing, that our sins were many, but his mercy is more. And I thank you that your grace is greater than all our sin. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.